Well, I've been dreading preaching this sermon. I don't like talking about money. And having grown up with tent revivals and evangelists coming to town where they'd pass the plate until a certain number, they'd have that number that they needed, would be reached. Because that was the number God told them. All I'm going to say is if God tells you to give me a million dollars, it's probably God. (laughs) I I figure people will give if they want to. But my charge today is to talk about money and stewardship. And so I'm going to ask all of you to journey with me through my fear, because I bet some of you feel the same way about money as I do. I grew up in a home where tithing, meaning you give 10% of everything you earn to the church. You had to do it to keep the church going. You did it because it was important. I remember sitting by my fat mall at church at Trinity Gospel Tabernacle on Sunday during worship. Fat mall never had much money, but she gave what she had. It always came off the top of that little tiny Social Security check she got, and in her grandmama pocketbook, she kept her ties in a little black change purse. And she also kept in her purse a couple pennies wrapped up in a handkerchief, one of those lacy handkerchiefs and tied together. It always had a mint in it, too. When she got out her offering, she always pulled out that little handkerchief and unfolded it and laid it in my lap because that was her way of teaching me that it's important to give to God. Truth be known, I was all about the mint. That was my favorite part of the offering. It was important to her. My grandfather, little Paul, gave money in large sums. He helped to build the additions onto the church where he went and worshipped, and he believed that that was what he was called to do. He did it so that the gospel would continue to be spread. He was also known to keep several televangelists staying on the air because anytime somebody asked for money, he was writing a check and putting it in the mail. My daddy was a minister. And I've seen him not only give an offering, but I've witnessed him handing his last couple of dollars to people going out the door on Sunday night. If he felt they needed it, he'd fold that money up in a little square and he'd hold it with his finger here. And as he shook their hands, he'd slide that money real sneaky into their hand and say, get what you need. When I first began working, I would sit down when I got paid and I'd write my check because I didn't believe that 10% was my money. It was the church's. It seemed a lot easier then to do that. It was just me. And after a while, I got tired of the church and, well, I quit going. And, well, my habit of giving my offering for spreading the gospel fell behind as well. When I got married and had children, money was tight. I'm sure some of you have had children understand that. And when I went to seminary, I look back and I think, how in the world did we make it? But we always had what we needed. 
even though I didn't give my big offering or even close to my 10%, not close to the 10% my fat ma and little Paul gave. After a while, when things were tight, my giving became to be more of service than dropping money in the plate. That being said, we spent three weeks talking about George Bailey and how money can bring gratitude, about the treasures that money buys for us and how we place value. And Marsha told us last week how the ways we spend our money can provide hope for a world, for a world that may need a little food or spiritual nurture or mental hope, and how that money given helps to spread the gospel. And here I am, week four. How we are called to care for each other. And guess what, folks? That includes the realm of money. I'm going to get honest with you all. And I'm going to be real transparent. But I want you to stay with me. Don't be thinking about lunch. Don't be thinking about the football game you're going to work when you get home. I love this church and the work that we do in this place. Gosh, it makes a difference in the world. I've told you all that it saved my life. That is the truth. This little church saved my life. And it saved the life of others. It makes a real difference. It has given some of us hope and love and people to love. And people who love us, oh, my God, isn't it good? Isn't this place good? Come on, y'all can amen that one. Amen. It's so good and wonderful that some days when I talk about it, I can't find the words to say how thankful I am. Or what this church means to me is that deep. I don't know if any of you have noticed the offering totals lately. We've been posting them on the screens. As a church, we've been running a little behind budget every week. Now, we're not drowning by any means, but I always want to be honest and transparent. We are behind budget to the total of $18,000 for the year. Now, I don't know about any of you all, but my little check, when I remember to bring it, or my little cash that I drop in, that's not going to make a big dent in $18,000. But here's what I know. But like the ancient church long ago, that weight of $18,000 doesn't fall on one person. It falls on all of us. And what I've come to believe over the years, all these years of my faith journey, that when I can't, and there's a lot of times I can't. There's a community of believers whose faith together can tackle most anything. You know, some of us contribute by giving an offering. And others save the church money by giving the gift of time and offering tangible gifts like cleaning and mowing and cleaning toilets and cleaning communion cups. Man, every little bit that we do. What we give goes to the building of the kingdom and the spreading of the gospel, of the faith that cannot be contained in a tomb. 
a fully alive, wonder-filled faith, a treasure faith filled with sprinkles of love and hope and grace to a community who needs it. Everywhere I go in this little town, I see people hurting, people who are rejected, people in all kinds of pain. I see lonely people and a whole bunch of people who need love and I think, oh my gosh, they need to come to BUCC. They need us so bad. One mind, one heart, one love. Together we can. Can we? Two weeks ago, I heard from a friend of mine who attended LTS. You'll see her picture at the end of the picture videos today. Wren came to Lexington from Nagaland, India. It is a very remote place. I remember the first time she saw a swimming pool. She said, oh my gosh, in my country, we carry water on our head and it's so scarce we would never play in it. That's how poor she came from. It's very remote, it's in the mountains. It's bordered by three other big countries and there's always military action going on in that space. Wren is an amazing woman. After LTS, she went on a global ministry program and worked on that at Princeton. She met her husband there. He too was from India and now he teaches Christian ethics in the Oriental Theological Seminary in Nagaland. She gave birth to her first son, Lanier, who's almost 12 now, right here in the United States. And then they both moved back to India to do ministry in their homeland. Wren does all kind of work with environmental issues, women empowerment, and she does this little street ministry where she goes around to the vendors and tells them about Jesus there in the streets right there with the poor. Lanier is a citizen in the U.S. and to live in India, India as a dual citizen, he must get his passport updated every so many years. To get this renewed, Wren and Lanier, or Wren's husband and Lanier, have to fly from, fly from the north of India to the south of India to get the passport renewed. To do that, it costs $1,500. $1,500, that's what her husband makes in three months. She emailed me and shared her worry. She asked me to pray. You know that Facebook message of a mother trying to protect her son? I could feel her worry. And I told her I'd pray. But as soon as I finished talking with her, I had a thought. I don't have a whole lot. I don't have much to give. But a little bit might help. A little bit might help. So instead of just saying my little bit doesn't matter, I decided to walk through my fear and try. I contacted a large group of colleagues who went to seminary with Wren and myself. I simply explained the issue 
and ask if any of them would be willing to give up a Starbucks cup of coffee to help our sister in need. You know what happened? Many of my minister friends immediately left the group conversation. You know, and I can't say that I blame them. I mean, I'm one of those gullible people that thinks everybody's honest. Not everybody is. But there were some folks who stayed. And in a few days, I had people sending me PayPal. Some gave $200. Some gave $100. Some gave 10 5 20 And at the end of the week, I collected over $750, a gift of love, $1 at a time. Now, it's really hard to send money to India, to that part of India. I tried to go to the bank. They didn't wire money to India. Um, I tried getting on PayPal Zoom. They don't have that over in Nagaland. I kept emailing Ren, and I'm like, I don't know how to get this money to you, and I don't know how to get it to you in time. In the process of that, I've got some skeptical friends who work with me, and they convinced me that I was being scammed. Now, I didn't care about my little bit, but, you know, some of the people who gave money, their $5 was the same as $200. It was a sacrifice, and I wanted to be sure. So one morning, I picked up the phone on Facebook Live, and I called my sister in India. And we talked about the work of the gospel, and she explained to me what she needed and how Lanier needed this to always stay safe. After I told my colleagues that I really had talked to Ren, they said, how do you know that was Ren? <laughs> so they put enough doubt in me that I emailed her husband. I emailed the seminary address that was listed on the seminary. And indeed, he said, yes, we're trying to get help. And he said, Wren has told me about you and about Bram and Madison. She used to watch my kids when I went to seminary. I had to figure out how to get it there. So one day, I was just sitting there, and I thought, Dr. V, who lives across the hall from me over at Eastern State, we don't reside there. We work there. Let <laughs> me make that straight. Was from India. She explained the difficulty of that remote area and why it was so hard to get money there but nowhere else in India. She said, let me talk to my husband. So what happened was I gave my money to Dr. V. Dr. V's husband happened to be in India this week. He, he, she put the money in her account. He transferred it to the Indian account in his name. He took the money out, exchanged it into rupees. I think that's how you say that. And then deposited it directly into Ren's account. I could have said, I can't. And the truth is, most often I would have. I could have listened to the skeptic saying I was getting scammed, because most often I am. But it was what I call a, duck, a God tug, a God tug that inspired me to try. And the friends who were in one mind and one heart pulled their little bit of money together and made a huge stand in keeping Lanier safe. Maybe I can't. But together, mixed with a bit of God love, together we can. 
one mind, one heart, one love. Can we? A few years ago during the summer when Marsha was gone on a vacation, a young man came into the back of our church and sat. He was tall and skinny and he had his arm in a sling. I wasn't working at the church at that time as a pastor, but for some reason, the man came up to me. He explained to me that he'd been walking down the street one day on his way to work and he had a seizure right there on the sidewalk, first time it had ever happened. He broke his collarbone. And then he lost his job doing... That man was down to his last few nights in a little rundown hotel here in town and simply said, ma'am, I just need a little help. There's a lot of people that just need a little help of some sort. He said, if I can get a bus ticket home, I've got family waiting who'll take care of me, and I've got an uncle who's going to give me a job afterwards. Well, my money was tight right then, during that time. My daughter was living in Memphis, getting some medical help, and I didn't have money for a bus ticket. So what did I do? I went to the church council president, who then went to Kenny. And, and they figured out if we could give a certain amount, the amount he told us was going to be for the ticket. We got his phone number. We said we'd try to help. Next thing I knew, somebody in the congregation had run out and got a chicken dinner and brought it back to him. I put him in my car and we drove across town and I dropped him off in that little hole of a wall motel. The next day the council chair called me. Pam, the amount of money that we got from the church won't cover the bus ticket. It's the 4th of July weekend and everything's gone up. She said, I don't have money to put in. I said, I don't either. She said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We promised this man we we're going to get him there. Now we don't have enough money. I said, well, we're going to the 4th of July parade this afternoon. We're just going to tell our congregation about this little man. So we got to the parade. We gathered all the folks around, and we explained. We simply said, he's trying to get home, and we don't have enough money for the ticket. The next thing I knew, without asking for it, everybody standing around started pulling dollars out, and quarters, and twenties, and fifties. And when we counted it, we had the exact amount that we needed to buy a ticket for that man. Mm. God work? I, I tend to think that that was. Taught me a whole lot about God. Maybe I can't. But together, mixed with a bit of God love, we can do anything. I have seen God at work in this congregation, and I don't think I've ever heard many of you ever say we can't. When we moved from Sanders Chapel and merged with Emmanuel, we joined hands and prayed, and the next thing I knew, people were cutting grass that was overgrown, 
and a church was being painted. Tile was being put down. And a church that was run down with chained up doors became a thriving, cleaned up little house of God's love right here on the corner of Don Anna Drive. Together we can. When we found out that kids needed some food and we didn't have the money to support the backpack program, a little bunch of drag queens joined together and did a spiritual show and raised money to feed the hungry, to buy glasses and beds and water. Turned water on so kids could just get a bath. When we found out that those kids couldn't go on field trips, we tossed our pennies and our dimes and our dollars and mixed it with God love, and we made it happen. Together we can. Together we can. When the church became so crowded that we were sitting in back in the kitchen, couldn't hardly hear, folding chairs everywhere. It was presented that we were going to go to two services. Everybody in the congregation said, oh, no, we're not. We want to be together. That's what's special about this place. We like to be together. Thank you, Miss Elnor. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> and so you know what happened next? That very afternoon, people came back with their sledgehammers, and they started knocking out walls, and they started carting it out. And the sanctuary expanded with room to grow. Together we can. Time and time again, we've come up on obstacles. We've encountered problems, but when we pull our resources of time and money and love and mix it with God's love, oh my God, what amazing things we can make happen. Together we can. Together we can. Brothers and sisters, BUCC family, friends, and even if you're here for the first time, you're one of us. As you came in today, you received a sheet that we've asked you to complete. Make sure you fill it out and drop it in this basket this morning. We're going to do com communion. You're going to come up and you'll just drop that in your offering in that basket. We're going to see what gifts you're hiding from us. What this little church might need may be the gift that you've got. And you know what, maybe you didn't even have a clue that that little thing you did could make so much difference. But if we all do our little thing, oh my gosh. Together we can and we will. You see, it all matters. All those gifts you have matter. People making coffee and cooking big belly breakfasts, mowing the grass, cleaning the church and running the camera and singing a song and taking a dish to the sick. Maybe you can teach or maybe you can drive someone to the doctor or hold a hand or catch a tear. But together we can. It does sound like Barack Obama, doesn't it? <laughs> Alone, most of us can't do much. And $18,000 sounds like a whole lot of money to me. But you know what, church? If we all decide that this place is important to us, We'll either bring our gifts of time or we'll drop $10 in the plate a week. And maybe one of you will decide to drop a dollar. 
Maybe one of you will drop 50. Maybe one of you will drop 50 cents. Our tiny little gifts we bring. Mixed together with this God love we find here. All add up to create something awful wonderful. To support something so important in this community that this community needs. Every person I know needs a house of love. Every person I know needs a family of support. A place to know and see and taste and sing the wonder of God's love. A place to call home. A place to call home. The work of the gospel can be hard, especially when you have to talk about money. And sometimes a preacher even has to take a look at herself and then preach a sermon that preaches to her. Hopefully some of you got a little something out of it. But when we bring our little gifts together and what we have becomes ours and then we mix a little bit of faith and hope and God's love and then we turn that over to God. Oh my God, what a wonderful life. What a wonderful life we have here. Together we can. Yes, we can with God's help. Amen. Amen.